Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of What's Good. Greg Meskel here with you. Today we're talking with Olympic silver medalist and open water swimmer, Haley Anderson. Haley, thanks for stopping by and spending some time with us. Thanks for having me. So I want to start off with talking about your sport because I think it's one that I know is very difficult, but I don't think it gets the, the recognition or the due that it's deserved. I, I've seen a few interviews. I think you feel kind of the same way, but what is it about open water swimming that people don't really get when it comes to why it's something that should be appreciated? Um, I love the strategy involved um, with it. Um, and I think there's a lot of people that don't realize how much strategy is involved. They just think you swim for two hours, like really slow. I'm like, no, that there's more to it than that. There's, there's a lot of planning and um, yeah, strategy involved with it. And a lot of mental strength as well. Um, I think that's one of the biggest factors in um, being successful in open water is um, you have to put yourself through a very grueling race many times uh, throughout the year. And so to finish a 10K and to finish it well, um, I think you have to be not only physically um, super fit and tough and everything like that, but you also have to be mentally strong. One of the interesting things, if people haven't watched a full one of these races before, or if they've only seen highlights, is uh, I think I've heard it referred to as kind of like a feeding station or fueling, but that whole yeah. thing, I, I guess I would liken it maybe if people follow NASCAR where the car pulls in, they're trying to get you things quickly, but just tell us that kind of craziness of everyone trying to, I imagine kind of looking for your person like, who has my snacks and how do I get to it and then keep going forward? <laughs> yeah, so you, um, so you have like a coach or a team member um, on the feeding station. Um, yes, it is like a, a little NASCAR pit stop. I've actually never watched NASCAR, but like that's what I always say it's like, but it's chaos um, with everybody trying to find their feeders. We typically know beforehand um, where – kind of what area they're going to be in and then you kind of just have to look for your flag but if there's a lot of americans in the race you're looking for six, you see six flags and you're like which one's mine <laughs> um then you see your coach and so i typically have like one of my like whoever's feeding me i'm like wear a bright a really bright t-shirt so um i used to give one of my coaches this bright pink tank top to wear every time um and i would always always spot her in that what makes for a good uh, coach in that uh, scenario? Do you have to have good balance, the longest reach to kind of stick the pole out the furthest? What are you, what are you looking for? Yeah, I feel like they have to, they have to like fight for their position too, just as much as we do sometimes, because sometimes your spot on the feeding dock isn't, um, guaranteed. And so, yeah, like your coach has to be sort of, that's a balance. Cause like when all of the coaches and some of those coaches are um, when you have a lot of them on the dock, um, it starts to tip into the water. <laughs> so you have to be really careful because um, I feel like if your coach falls in, like you're DQ'd or something like that. But yeah, you have to be really careful. There's also limits on like how long like you're feeding, like it's a, called a feeding stick. And so like it's a long stick with a little cup holder at the ends. And so there's like a limit to how long that can be as well. So yeah, someone um, can't be out there with like a 30 yard stick, like yeah. reaching. <laughs> these, the, these are the things people people should know about maybe it inclines them to plug in more watch some of these races and see all the awesome things you do i also want to ask you about the finish you know people that swim a lot that maybe get tired of it or they switch to other sports they always talk about 
chasing the black line, right? And they get and they get tired of that. And I know that you train a lot in a pool before you go to the actual open water. But how do you stay in the right headspace when you're just out in a body of water? I know there's markers and everything, but how do you stay focused for two hours and then ramp it up to finish at the end? Yeah, so you like you really have to be on it for those two hours. You cannot because if I if my mind starts to wander, I'll find myself in the back of the pack or doing something. Um, not smart. <laughs> so I really had to be focused and on my game for those two hours. And um, yeah, you're not following a black line, but there are different markers. So a race is typically four to six laps. And so there's little, there's buoys and all courses are different. Um, so that makes it really interesting and, and fun. And so um, having a different course is always nice and changes things up. And so, yeah, like, and it's always different, which always makes it interesting and fun. And you have to keep, um, keep on it with that too. Um, but yeah, you're not following a black line. So people think I get bored. They're like, don't you get bored? Like, what do you think about for a two hour race? I'm like, there's so much going on constantly. So I'm never bored. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not a casual swim at the YMCA where you can zone out <laughs> no. for for 20 or 40 laps or whatever it might be. You were one of the first two USA athletes to qualify for Tokyo. Then it gets pushed back a year. Uh, actually, as we're talking tomorrow's one year out round two, I know that you were kind of uh, happy in a way with the postponement because it brought kind of some, a sense of understanding of what the next year would bring. How have you kind of handled that moment since and staying ready for the Olympics? Um, yeah, so at first when it wasn't postponed, but we still were um, under quarantine and like when it first was going on, that's when I was most um, stressed out because I was like, well, I don't know how long I'm going to be out of the water for. I don't know how long it's going to take me to get back into shape. Um, all those thoughts were going through my head and it was a very stressful time, I'm sure, with so many other athletes as well. And swimming is very specific where like you need to be swimming and you need to be in the water. There's nothing you can do out of the water. And I was, I was trying to convince myself like going on runs or bike rides and walks like, and all of that insane fit was better than nothing. But there's really nothing that you could do out of the water that will keep you, um, keep your swim fitness the same. Um, but with it being postponed, um, I think I was able to sort of accept it really early on and um sort of reframe my mindset and i had a lot of um a lot of other things going on as well um both my coaches at usc um left and so i knew they were leaving before um coronavirus hit and and i was okay with that because i was like they're going to coach me through the end of the summer and through the olympics and everything was going to be great um but then with it being pushed back a year i was like oh my two coaches are gone at usc i need to find somewhere else to train and so that was a whole nother level to this um, quarantine was sort of taking a step back, figuring out where my next spot was going to be. Um, and yeah, so that's been, that's, it's been an interesting ride the past couple months, um, sort of figuring out where, cause I was also going to retire this summer. So that was another thing I was like, Oh, I get to swim another year. Um, but I took it as a positive and, um, yeah, just quickly like reframed my way of thinking about it and not thinking like, oh, it's pushed back here. It's, oh, I get an extra year to make sure I'm really on top of my game. 
And, and have you figured out your new coach and where you'll be as far as training goes when things resume? Yeah, so I just moved down to Orange County. Um, I'm training with Mission Viejo now, um, and they have great, great history in distance swimming. And so um, I'm a California girl. So I've grown up in Northern California, and I've been in L.A. now for um, 11 years. So it was, it's an easy move. It was just an hour away. Um, but, yeah, it's been nice so far. I literally just moved in. Um, have an empty apartment right now, but just moved into an apartment a week ago. So. That, that's there's good if anyone's wondering why there's no furnishings on the walls behind yeah, you there. Really white walls everywhere. <laughs> so you talked about the new coach, you know, getting, getting into a new facility to train the postponement for a year. So a lot of things to kind of juggle there, but you've been through this before you made your Olympic debut as a college student, right? And then they're able to kind of continue on that journey. What have you learned in the last eight and now nine years as you've kind of gotten the experience of, of preparing to compete at a high level? Yeah, so each quad has been really different for me. Um, the first go around, um, I really wasn't anywhere near the top at my field at the time. So like even a year out, I was still new to open water swimming. And so it was kind of a very steep learning curve. Um, but then yeah, each quad has been really different and this one is even even more different. So just um, approaching the four years leading up to the Olympics um, and making sure, cause it's not just, it's not just a year out. It's not just a couple months beforehand. It's, I've been thinking about Tokyo since Rio. And so, and I was thinking about Rio um, after London. Um, and so there's always that sort of four year lead up into it. And so, um, but yeah, each quad has been really different, which makes it fun for me because I'm a distance swimmer and I'm also 28 and I think about that for a second. So swimming at this point, I've been swimming for so long. Um, you really need to keep it interesting and really keep it fun doing different races, doing different things and making sure that you're going to be the best in four years. Um, so which for me, it meant taking 2017 pretty easy after Rio, I really needed to sort of reset and refocus and sort of take that year not off completely but I really took it easy and didn't go to practice that often and just said yes to things in my um, personal and social life and had fun with friends that I didn't really get to do um, leading up to Rio but then yeah, a great point this is this is the thing I think people don't understand about athletes like yourself you live in four-year blocks and now and now and now and now a five-year block right it's not like People look at an NBA player and say, hey, is Vince Carter going to come back? Just do one more season. Just play one more, right? But when yeah. you're thinking about Tokyo or Paris or whatever you're thinking about, it's not just one more thing. It's a big commitment, a big part of your life to move forward. Exactly. And so those four-year increments and like, I mean, for me, I always wanted to end on an Olympic cycle. Um, I know not everybody does that, but for me, um, that's kind of just how I want to end it. And um so yeah, when you have to commit yourself to four years, it feels like a lot. And when I was, so I made my first Olympics when I was 20 and I was like, oh, like, I think I only had, I had a couple years after I graduated till I graduated 2013. And I was like, am I really going to swim till Rio? Like, that seems like a really far, like, time. Like, that's a, that's a lot to commit. And one of the coaches, um, he actually used to coach at Mission Viejo. He coached my mom growing up. And so like, we've, 
been close over the years and I've known him for a while. Um, he's older. So he's like, um, coach Rose, he was like, Haley, when you're my age, four years is nothing. And I was like, when you're my age, four years is a really long time. Like that's a big part of my life. He's like, don't worry about it. It's, it's going to fly by and it, it has flown by actually. So yeah, a four year commitment is a, is a big thing. You talked about doing things differently as you've evolved over the last couple of Olympic quads. And with this pandemic, I, I thought of swimmers like you because there were all these stories popping up about a typical indoor swimmers finding lakes and canals and oceans to swim in. That's a lot of what you compete in. I know the practice takes place in a pool, so you still want that environment. But if anyone was built for a pandemic, it feels like it's open water swimmers. Yeah, everyone was reaching out. They're like, what should I do for an open water practice? And I'm like, like get ready. Um, so it's been nice that people are reaching out and they're like, oh, like, they're like, wow, this is really hard. And I'm like, thank you. Finally, people get it. Um, but they also don't understand that, like, if you, you can't do as much in an open water practice as you do in a pool, just because you don't have any walls. And that makes, say you're doing a five, 5,000 meter practice in a pool, 5,000 meters open water is a lot harder because you don't have walls. And that makes a huge difference. So people were like, they thought they could do just as much in an open water practice. It's like, no, you actually can't. But yeah, no, it's been nice. I mean, I did a couple beach swims, but then even the beach closed down. So that was, that was pretty hard, but beaches are back open, I think. So it's been nice. Yeah, it seems like it's a, it's an, it's an ever changing thing when you can get back into some of these facilities. Yeah, exactly. I can't keep up. It is, it it is a challenge. You mentioned uh, some of the places you've been swimming. And I think that's something that's of interest. If people look at open water, I'm curious when you're, looking at a venue that you're about to go compete in, whatever the event, Olympics, world, something else, what, what are the biggest variables that you are checking out for that, for that body of water? Is it temperature? Is it the way, you know, temperature of the water, temperature of the air, quality of the water? What are you focused on the most? Um, yeah, so temperature and if it's salt water or fresh water, that makes a big difference as well. Um, so yeah, temperature, if it's salt water, um, the course as well, or if there's a current, um, those are all really big factors. And so we always try to meet like local people and get their take on it and um, whatever, especially if there's a current, because that's a very specific thing that um, it also changes during the race. So you're in there for two hours. And so like, I've had a race where it starts out, the current starts out pretty tame and by the end it's insane. So you're like, was not expecting that. Um, so you really have to learn on the go as well, even during a race, even if you, try to prepare as much beforehand. Um, so yeah, if it's a cold race, um, just try to prepare for that. I don't, I don't mind cold races. Um, like Tokyo, it's gonna be a really warm race. And so we're trying to figure out how to best prepare for that. Um, even though it's unsafe, no one's really listening to that. Um, we tried to get the venue changed and um, we're still going ahead with mentally preparing for a really warm water race in Ojaiba Bay and warm outside so um yeah i think we have to do a couple sort of training blocks and warmer water to acclimate to having a warm race yeah and 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 i've read some quotes from you about really there not being a plan b for that race and you know you had talked about trying to get it moved around so uh i think people hear about olympians making sacrifices all the time typically their health doesn't uh come into that category when people are thinking about what what they're 
pushing to the limit. So when you think about a race like that, where it's not ideal, is it just kind of, you, you're just willing yourself to compete because you've, you've trained so hard for this and we just kind of have to do it. Yeah. It's, it's really tough because it's the Olympics. And so it's something that you like, some people only get one shot, you know, like the Olympics only comes around every four years and most people don't go to multiple Olympics. So it's, it's your one time. And for swimming, it's, that's our big, that's our biggest stage. And it only comes around every four years. And so it's something that you don't want to think about sacrificing your health and your safety, but I, I feel like we've done our best in trying to convince them about different training locate or not, race locations and things like that. Um, so I feel like we've done what we can do so far to try to get it changed. Um, but yeah, it's, it's never fun to try to, when you have that in the back of your mind, when you're racing, it's like, am I going to be okay? Am I going to be safe? Well, I'm sure you've gotten this question once or twice before over the years, but what is, and maybe you have a go-to story for this. What, what's the most suspect body of water you've had to compete in, in your career? Um, I always feel bad because like, I, I've loved everywhere I've traveled to and I've loved the places I've gone to go. But yeah, like we've seen some, we've seen some dirty water over the years. Um, and there's big controversy in Rio, but we were in, and so they just kind of flew or like they put open water into that category of it being unsafe, but that water was fine. But I've had other races where we swam in a harbor and there was a storm a couple, like a week or so beforehand that brought in like all this nasty water. And so just the things he encountered in that water, I was like, this is, I was like, I guess this is, this is my life. This is what I have to look forward to running into rats and stuff. I was going to ask if you'd ever been swimming in like, you know, you caught like an old boot on your hand or something that was just floating out there, but rats, rats sound worse. Yeah, it was disgusting. Um, I did get a little, it sounds crazy when I say I got a fish in my suit, but it was like a, it was like a teeny tiny fish, but I did catch a fish in my suit. Um, I feel bad because I didn't, like, I didn't feel it. And so I didn't see it till after I got out of the water. So I couldn't save it. Yeah, it wasn't um, a catch and release I've, situation, unfortunately. Yeah, I ran into plenty of jellyfish. Most of the time, they're, they don't sting, but I've encountered jellyfish that sting as well. That's never fun. That, that's, that's intense, though. That's the other um, unknown with a lot of these competitions, right? You don't know what you're, – you're out there for two hours. Who knows what you're going to find? Yeah, and I hate saying that because I don't want to scare people off. I'm like, really, you should try it. But I'm like saying like, oh my God, like this dirty water or this, this type of water, or like the jellyfish. I'm like, no, you should still try it. It's fun. Um, yeah. There's, is, is, certain, certain sports have these inherent things in them and they're still worth giving them a shot. Uh, you yeah. know, not to uh, belabor the point of challenges of, of open water swimming, but I also loved you talking about kind of the physical aspect of it occasionally from time to time as the start. I know you've talked about kind of hanging back and letting the start develop in front of you, but there are times, right, where it's it's not like a regular swim meet at all, where you're side by side with your competitor, right? Yeah, yeah. We don't, we don't have our own lanes. So, I mean, I know you deal with 
water polo. So I, I actually never played. Like being from California, you think I'd, I'm a swimmer, so I would have played water polo, but I never did. But I always think it's like the worst combination of water polo and swimming because you have the distance aspect of swimming and then you have the physical aspect that like water polo adds to it. And yeah, you're getting like, most of the time it's accidental, but you do know there are a couple people in there that are going to hit you on purpose. So I've gone a couple elbows to the face, to the chest, like different stuff, like people grabbing your feet. Most of the time they're grabbing your feet on accident, but I've definitely had people like clamp on and grab my foot and pull me back. I'm like, you really have to try to do that. <laughs> like that's not like something you can just accidentally do, like grab onto my ankle, yank me back. Um, that sounds very much like water polo. Yes. Exactly. So like, yeah, you get a little, I mean, I don't think it's as bad as water polo because there's a lot going on in the water that I don't think a lot of us see for water polo. Um, but there, there are other sports like that where, where you're all blended together. As you were describing that, I was picturing Tour de France, uh, everyone on bicycles when they come around those turns and they're trying not to tangle, but there's a lot of contact. Or if you've seen freestyle skiing or biathlon, they're trying to create distance from each other, but there ends up being inadvertent contact because there isn't a specific lane for everybody. Exactly. And so a lot of the entanglement for us comes around when we're going around the turn buoys that's in, and the feed station. And so that's where a lot of our stuff happens. And like, I've gotten yellow cards where I didn't mean to, but like, it happens. And so most of the time it's about staying calm. So it's not getting like, sometimes I'll get super heated. I'm like, that girl just elbowed me. Like, let me get her. And then I'm like, no, I'm like, breathe relax don't waste your energy on like fighting back like use your energy to swim <laughs> so fingers crossed tokyo happens next year and you're able to go out in this retirement the way you drew it up you've been on the podium you've missed out on the podium in the olympics as you think as towards what this will likely be your last olympics what what does success look like for you does it have to be gold silver how do you view that um you know i always hate I'm not hate. I, I'm never one to be able to verbalize my goals because it's such a personal thing to me, but you know, yeah, success looks really different after swimming for this long. And obviously I have really high goals for myself and I want to go out on the top and everything was sort of lining up for that after a really great world championships. Um, and so just using that momentum to keep it going and, um, just have a really good race, be smart, be tough, and have fun. Excellent. Really good stuff here, Haley. Appreciate the time. We end every interview with the same three questions. I'll ask them to you here. It's what's something you've done for someone else, something you've done for yourself, and something that made you laugh. And so I'll start first with what's something you've done for someone else during this pandemic time? Um, well, I was able to quarantine with um, my friend and her family and they took great care of me and so um, I never felt like I could repay that to them because they re really took care of me for a couple months there and um, just being there with my friend and listening and helping each other out through the quarantine she helped me I hope I helped her by having company through it all um, yeah and then what's something you've kind of done for yourself lately? A little self-care, perhaps? Um, not feeling guilty over um, either taking a little time for myself, whether it be 
a good like Netflix marathon or not feeling guilty about having some comfort food, um, really giving myself a break. Um, that's been huge during this and um, just doing the best I can, I think, and being kind to myself. Really important stuff that, you know, yeah. maybe isn't the thing everyone thinks of immediately, but especially for those in that, in that Olympic world, you're on that schedule to compete at a certain thing. And when it gets jumbled, you have to adjust. And part of the adjustment, right, is taking care of yourself a little bit. So, yeah, yeah. And I think it's really important to be able to adjust as I feel like really elite athletes can be very rigid in everything that we do. And I, I am like, I'm a hundred percent. I could be very rigid in my daily structured life and everything like that. And so it was really hard to not have any structure. And so just, yeah, readjusting was, was a process, but it obviously I think it helped um, me grow mentally and I think that will help in the future. And then last thing, what's something recently that really made you laugh out loud that you found funny? Um, I was on the phone with my two sisters and I forget what somebody said something. And, um, we had the biggest, biggest belly laugh that I hadn't had that in so long. And I forget, like, we were probably, I feel bad. We were probably laughing about my mom. Um, she, she's an easy one to laugh at. And so if she ever sees this, she'll kill me, but like, <laughs> she's an easy target. Um, I think it must've been something about her, but I just had the biggest, biggest belly laugh and it felt so good. And it was like one of those laughs where you're like silent for a while. Yeah. And then it like the laugh evolves and then it gets like funnier and then you're just laughing about laughing. That was, that was good. Well, Haley's mom, if you're watching, no disrespect. We, there's no ill will over here from this side <laughs> of the Zoom screen. So, uh, hey, this was great. Thanks. Thanks for taking the time. Appreciate it. Looking forward to seeing you do your thing in Tokyo, and hopefully uh, you go out on the podium once again. Thank you.